94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues that you care about, especially during the COVID-19 crisis, mm-hmm. and also to answer your questions. We are very honored to have on the phone this morning, Dr. Scott Miskovich, who, uh, let me just, you know, for our listeners who may not be acquainted with Dr. Miskovich, he's you can think of him as Mr. Drive-Thru Testing here in Hawaii. You often hear us mention his name when we talk about Premier Medical Group Hawaii and the big drive-thru testing uh, events at places like the YPO Soccer Complex, etc. Good morning, Dr. Miskovich. Hey, Doc. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on with you guys. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for making the time. The question that's top of mind for so many people, why is the U.S. not able to get a handle on this? And, you know, for the nation and for Hawaii, is it going to get even worse before it gets better? Um, That's the right question to ask. And unfortunately, it's not a good answer. And the um, the answer we we have displayed what the best practice is, and we all lived it right here in Hawaii. And that is, look what we did back in March, and then into April. We showed the country. We followed the South Korean model, Taiwan and um, Singapore, some of the countries that were successful, and we shut it down. We closed everything down. Stay at home. Work at home. And. You can just go back and look at that little graph that you see published all the time and look at the time period, the periodicity of that. Within two two week periods or one month, we basically made that curve go from the top to bottom because this isn't rocket science. This is a virus that is spread by respiratory droplets. And if you can separate people and not let those droplets uh, spread through two cycles of what the virus needs to transmit, stop spreading. So I advocated yesterday on the news that um, that I reached and I spoke directly to, to the governor uh, and said, Governor, you you gave the leadership and, and, and was excellent in March. Let's do it again. Let's close down one month, because if not, we're going to have this long, drawn out, painful, you know, economic slowdown. We need to get our businesses back. Let's get our kids to school, but let's do it safe. That's an interesting point. Can you explain the science of that one more time for our listeners who may have missed that? So what you're saying is that if we want to go back to the to those days back in like April, May, where we were zero cases some days, one or two cases, yes. what you're saying is we need to go back to a total shutdown for how long you were saying? Um, one month. One, one month. month. And now here's here, not to get too technical, but here's the mm-hmm. science. The, the science is very defined that from the time you get exposed to the virus to the time you start incubating and start having the disease, it's a real big, big bar over the five to six day window. And then you start shedding for about another five to six days during that time. And then the virus starts to really slow down. It can still trickle in your body, but the ability for it to spread to others goes down. So do your math, five to six, add another five, little tail three days, that's 14. Mm-hmm. So you do that one more cycle, then you basically have, and you and admit, that also counts isolating and testing and being very aggressive during that month to find out who has it, to make sure they know, get in a room or get isolated or get to the hospital or something like that. But if you go to, through two of those bell curves over that period of time, the, the math and science of the epidemiology is that you have basically reduced the transmission or that are not down to less than one. 
and that's where right now we're up in the four, five, six range. Mm. Mm. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, we have Dr. Miskovich joining us here on Kumu Kokua, 94.7 Kumu with Devin and Esme. Uh, Dr. Miskovich, what is the explanation for these bumps that we're getting now? Um, you know, I think we all have to take responsibility. I mm. think this uh, the bumps are coming from, number one, we were really locked up for a long period of time. Summer hit, all the cycles of things we love to do in Hawaii, which is like a little graduation party. We had some Memorial Day. We had summer. And then we have Fourth of July. And then we opened our bars. We opened our restaurants. And people started to go. And, you know, we had Pauhana. People were just <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that we, we let our guards down. That's really the answer. And I always come back and say, you know, we can't rely on the government alone to stop uh, COVID. You know, every one of us has to take our personal responsibility because, number one, first and foremost, I've said this all the time in, in my media appearances, social distancing is your first measure that if you do, you're going to have your best result. Number two, closely behind, is a mask. That is the next thing. Yes, you can hand wash, um, but but that isn't as important as the first two. You know, mm-hmm. you're still going to hand wash, and and you know we're Hawaii. We hug people. We like to sit <laughs> together. We're with our families and things like that. Uh, so so that's really the the reason. And then the other thing I want to highlight to the listeners is get outdoors. Indoors is where this spreads. There's plenty of data and studies that show that the the transmission in an indoor environment, especially a closed indoor environment, is almost 300 times as high as in the outdoor environment. So if you're going to have get-togethers and spread out in your yard or with your windows open on your lanai or something, way better for you. But like 300 people outside, probably not a good idea though, right? Well, you could have 300 people outside if they're all 6 to 10 feet apart and you've got 10-15 uh, mile hour trade winds. I have no problems with that. If you have <laughs> trade winds blowing and you all kind of really separate the ch- the chances you get transmitted and you're all wearing a mask, I think most of us would say there's almost a 0% chance you're going to have transmission outdoors, socially distanced, with a mask, with trade winds. Oh, that's so, really interesting. You know, I'm not advocating it. But, but that's that's important to understand. That's the science of it. Yeah. Okay. And that's the first time, yeah. uh, 94.7 Kumu, you're listening to Kumu Kokua. Dr. Miskovich, that's the first time I've heard um, an expert actually rank those measures in levels of importance. So again, social distancing, number one. Number two, close behind that, the mask. Hand washing is important at number three, but not as important as the others is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and again, just to be clear with hand washing, for hand for you to get it through a transmission through hand washing, you have to touch a fairly significant droplet. That droplet has to have been there for a more recent period of time. There's plenty of studies that show what surfaces will allow the virus to remain alive, but it doesn't stay alive forever on surfaces. But then here's the key. Then you got to touch your mouth, your nose, or your eyes to transmit enough of that viral particle into your bloodstream to create an infection. So there's numerous steps to get that infection from a droplet transmission versus right now, this thing is so contagious through just breathing that, you know, just the slightest close contact can cause it. So it's way easier through the droplet versus the touch. Right on that point, can you help our listeners understand uh, we are still hearing people saying things like, ah, it's just like the flu, you know, it's <sighs> it's not as deadly and, uh, or even less deadly than the flu. We're are still seeing comments on social media and people saying that oh my god 
Oh, I just I just cringe when I see this and I read it. I mean, if I I would just love to sit down and and just show them what we're looking at. I'd love to introduce them to patients because you know we have over a couple hundred of our patients since we're doing all the drive-through. Okay, here's here's some data points. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, the number of people who end up in the hospital who end up after being discharged over fifty percent are having permanent heart damage. Okay, fifty percent. That is massive. Um, 50 to 80% are having permanent lung damage. This little viral particle gets in and basically liquefies the little air sacs in your lungs. And so you could be a perfect, healthy um, 30-some-year-old and come out and and you end up with the rest of your life, which will be shortened, being like a a 75-year-old smoker all your life where you have to have oxygen walking from, you know, your, your chair to your bathroom. And flus don't do that. Um, we have 30 and 40 year olds. The amount of strokes that we're seeing in perfectly healthy people is just through the ceiling. The amount of neurologic damage is through the ceiling. The damage to the body relative to the flu is nothing. So, uh, so people try to focus and do this data comparison of mortality rate uh, versus the flu. Oh, then the please, the, the long term sequela is nothing like we've ever seen in medicine. We're going to study this. As long, I mean, through my lifetime and lifetimes to come, there is no disease we have ever seen in modern history that is so devastating to the human body that causes all these damages to organs and clotting. I mean, people are going on dialysis. That doesn't happen with the flu. Mm. I mean, the flu, you either get pneumonia and die or, you know, or you you survive. I mean, (laughs) that's it. Yeah. What you are saying when you're talking about heart damage, lung damage, uh, kidney damage, neurological damage, that there are lots of people who are having serious consequences who are not counted in those death toll numbers. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. What what is happening? The long term, um, we term it morbidity to people who have suffered this is unlike any disease we've ever seen. And, um, and then the other thing you have to understand, so say you're, say you're 42 and you get your lungs damaged, uh, you know, the chances that you're going to live to 45 or 50 is, is like slim to none. You, you get major cardiac heart damage. Well, we all have probably had friends or family who have had heart attacks and then they, they pass away early because their heart just fails and that's going to happen. So we're going to have this long tail of premature death and, and a lot of um, suffering that's going to happen. That's, that's, we haven't even calculated that as a country, as a nation, as a world. The millions upon millions, the tens of millions of people who are going to be um, essentially dying early in the future from this. Mm. Here on the Rise and Drive with uh, Dr. Scott Miskovich, uh, talking about COVID-19. So the last couple of days have seen a rush of, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it generously, information about um, hydrochloroquine again. Hydroxychloroquine. Uh, Hydroxychloroquine. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to say it because it makes me mad. Anyway, um, could you help us dispel some of these rumors? Because people keep posting stuff about read the science, read the science. And I'm like, "Mm, well, the science says it doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's black and white. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You know, it's not the science what we live and breathe is medical evidence based on real patient outcomes. So don't read the science about what this did as an anti-malarial or how it affects the body. You need to look now. We have had so many clinical trials 
where especially early on when we thought that this was the miracle and they just went on and on and we've had thousands upon thousands of people studied with it and you know and, that, and how do they do it they take groups of people with it and then they compare them against groups of people without it and then we've had it compared and combined with a, a common antibiotic azithromax uh, or azithromycin mm-hmm. and the bottom line is it just doesn't work it doesn't work and in many cases you'll get cardiac arrhythmias or you'll get side effects but it just doesn't work and um and, and let me just throw out to the to the listeners another comment when when you have something in your system that's foreign there's the perfect example is we all know an antibiotic that kills the bacteria well in this case the term is virocidal we're looking for something that kills that virus nothing kills the virus all of these medicines that we're talking about that are in trials, there's over 150 things in trials across the planet right now. Mm-hmm. All of them are just trying to reduce the damage. We have not come up with anything that is virucidal or that will kill it. So even hydroxychloroquine at that point wasn't killing anything. It was just trying to reduce some of this drastic inflammation that was just devastating our body. So don't don't stockpile it. Don't look for it. Don't take it. There is nothing in any study right now except uh, the remdesivir is reducing the the, the viral um, uh, damage. And then, you know, the, the, the uh, steroids, the dexamethasone helps for the lung, reduce some of the lung damage uh, when you're on, on a ventilator, but nothing is killing it. Mm. I just don't understand why this is making a comeback. <laughs> I thought I thought you guys had disproven I know, it. Right? So right, that's, yeah. that's part that I think for Esme and myself is just sort of maddening. Uh, once again, Dr. Scott Miskovich joining us here on Kumukokua. Now, earlier when we started this segment at 8 o'clock, I kind of jokingly referred to him as Mr. Drive-Through Testing in Hawaii because he has been uh, with Premier Medical Group Hawaii, you know, the initiator and the big driver of a lot of big drive-through testing events in Hawaii. Dr. Miskovich, can you give us a little bit like a like a short version of your background? Yeah, sure. Um, well, well, what's happening right now is I was found and hired by a large company called PAE, uh, and PAE is a $2.5 billion annual uh, revenue government contractor that works for the State Department across the world doing a lot of stuff like training um, foreign military and terrorism and all kind of crazy stuff. And um, they were asked by the government to help domestically. And, and you're, so the, you're the medical work- director there, right? I'm the medical director for the COVID response for the U.S. and international. Okay. And uh, so we are currently working on testing in numerous states, but we're not only doing testing, but this group, uh, and I'm designing all the testing programs, uh, Mm -hmm. and I'm working at least with 15 different states between this and the other company. But this is so cool because this organization is also right now, they build those pop-up hospitals and pop-up quarantine facilities like the Mount Sinai in New York and oh. the temporary. We have one We have one that's in the mid-construction in Atlanta right now. Um, we're working on others across the country. And they can go from zero to having a full hospital in eight days. That's wow. how incredible these are. It's incredible. Then they have a sister company, which is called AMI or um, AMI Expeditionary Health. And I am their uh, COVID clinical operations lead for the United States and international. And right now, uh, with that, we have medical response teams throughout the Caribbean and in Africa. And as I mentioned to you guys, 
as I was coming on, I've been on, you know, two, three in the morning. I'm on calls with um, with uh, Ghana and uh, mm-hmm. West Africa. But also what's neat about these, these are the two companies that the world trusted that did the Ebola response. So this is, you know, this is these are these are real deal. And then a lot of people were like, well, how'd they find me? Well, in my background, in my first 10 years, I was a civilian uh, government health contractor, and I worked in all kind of diverse programs and have training in quarantine facilities. And I've had World Health Organization experience. I've had FEMA training. I've been to six continents, and I've done all kind of remote health care and all kind of volunteer health care. And um, and now, you know, I'm getting to do really neat stuff. Like one thing that's really neat, we're, we're going to be launching the entire testing program for the entire Navajo Nation. And uh, I'll get to pull a team over there to do that one. And I mentioned to you off the line, a fun one for me is I just designed the entire program for this SEC football conference. And it's being expanded now to all sports. So I'll also be popping over to get to visit some of the SEC schools. And I've been working with all the team physicians and uh, Charlie Hussey at the SEC leadership level. So, I mean, I'm all over the country on this. I'm up every night, two or three in the morning, try to get to bed by nine and then wake up and do it again. But um, I'm very happy to help. Uh, Hawaii first is never going to be not my focus, but I'm, I'm honored to be able to help in different areas in the U.S. and even across the planet. Doctor, since you have like this handle on testing, and you know setting that up all over the world really can you help our listeners understand this sort of confusion over the over the importance of testing and the connection with the number of cases because we have heard several times now the president say you know the reason we have all these cases if we just stop of- testing all these people we'll <laughs> right. stop finding people that are sick <laughs> exactly he's been saying you know we have all these coronavirus te- uh, uh, cases because we have so much testing so could we please slow the testing down so we don't have so many cases what do you think of that Oh boy! Oh, and remember, you're on, the, you're on the radio. Oh boy. You're in the radio, oh, no. please. So let's try it again. family show. Uh, so. Yeah, no, no, no. I hate no. It's only PG here for me, man. Yeah, no. But uh, yeah, but the um, but the real answer for me is. Uh, that is just so far-fetched. Testing is the only way we're going to find this disease. Testing is the only way we're going to isolate it. We're going to quarantine it. And um, let me let me try to give the listeners because there's so many data points we need to look at that blow that out of the water. Mm. But I'm going to tell them one that's locally here that you need to look at, which is so disturbing. There is a term called incidence, and that's the number of positives you have in any single day. And then there's prevalence, which is how much disease is in your whole region you're talking about. Now, part of that is you need to look at probably one of the most important um, uh, data points that's telling you about the future is the percentage of tests that are done that show positive results. And so we started down one, just mid ones, and then when we were getting a disease under control, less than like half of 1% of every test was positive. As of yesterday's data on Oahu, that one week cycle, which is good to look at, we had 6% of every test was positive. The ongoing average on Oahu is now 4%. That is huge. We have counties in Florida that are 40%. We have about, you know, about between the time of day, between eight and nine states across the country, that's over 20%. That means one out of every four person that shows up at a drive-thru or an office is positive. What that tells you is how many more are not showing up that are positive. That then gives us a look into the future. You take those data points, 
two weeks from then, that will relate into increased ICU beds use, increased ventilators, and increased deaths. Mm. So, you know, so the data we have just released today and the last week does, uh, I, I know Queens is smart enough that they're knowing that um, that gets ready because what's going to be happening, unfortunately, at Queens is going to be kicking up and all the other hospitals because people are going to be either dying or being on ventilators. We just had about, I think, nine new ventilator cases up at Queens over the last week and we had 30, 35 admissions. I mean, the number of people getting seriously ill is very high from mm-hmm. it. So um, don't look, don't listen to that. Uh, you know, we need to test more. Most of the data shows that we need to be doing 10 times the amount of testing that we're doing in the United States. We're so behind. Now, we're not making those numbers up. We're, how do you do this? You look at the countries that were, were successful and you look at the per capita and look at the frequency of testing. Again, I say South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, they, they've all done well. Germany had some good programs. That's what they've done to be successful. We don't have to recreate the wheel. It's already out there, the, the, and it's testing, testing, testing. That's the way we're going to find the disease. So, Doctor, can you just help our listeners understand how much testing we're doing now in Hawaii versus how much we ought to be doing? Oh, it's just so small, the amount we're doing right now. I mean, we're barely doing um, 1,500, 2,000 tests a day, if even that. Uh, you know, if we want to hit the same data points, and I've been I've been commented on, quoted on this, we need to be up at about... Uh, uh, probably closer to eight to ten thousand a day at the at the range we are at right now, and there's a lot of studies and a lot of points that are saying that we even need to go even to more frequent testing. And there's a lot of really exciting things coming out that are, are new testing developments that will make testing more available. But they're still months away or even into next year. But I would say probably four times the amount of testing we need to do. Uh, one wow. of the things that we've never heard our leadership talk about is. How do you find all those asymptomatics out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's 40%. Everybody's asymptomatic. Well, we're still focusing on, not my group, because we're leading the edge on this. So we're, we're, if you're contacted, symptomatic, asymptomatic, and we're finding you. But we need to find ways to test people that are those first-degree, second-degree contacts, even if they're asymptomatic, to isolate them early. And that's very key. Okay. Um, Dr. Miskovich, uh, two words for you. Herd immunity. Oh, talk yeah. to us about that, won't you, please? Is that a realistic approach to t- to hope for here in Hawaii and for um, U.S.? No, not not a chance. And uh, and I've been also quoted on this. If you go herd immunity, remember herd immunity just says, ah, let's get herd immunity. You usually want to get a baseline minimum of sixty five percent of your population to get immunity to the disease by catching the disease. All right. Now let's just take our our. I'll give a simple piece of math. So if you take the mortality rate, the number of people who die, who get mm-hmm. COVID right now in the United States, and say maybe it's eh, 4% or so, it's coming down because we're effectively keeping people alive just to suffer longer. Um, but the bottom line is, so you want to get herd immunity? Guess what? Uh, 20 million, 30 million people in America die. Uh, I don't think that's acceptable to let 20 million people die just for the sake of quote-unquote herd immunity. So that is just get that one off of everybody's radar. Now, let me describe herd immunity in another way, which is where we are going, all right, which Mm -hmm. is where. And that's going to switch topic to the vaccine. We're going to have vaccines out, right? But 
the other reality that none of the talking heads or any of the leadership on the, the national level talk about is the FDA has only put the benchmark that any vaccine that is produced has to be a minimum of 50% effective. So that means one out of two people that get a vaccine could still get COVID. But here's where herd immunity comes in. So now I'm not going to talk about the fact that 60% say they'd get it, 40% say they wouldn't even get a vaccine in some of the data that we have. But say you give a shot that 50% of the population gets the immunity. And then say as this disease rolls on, 10, 12, 15% of America has got the disease. Whoa, look at the number. You just got 65%. So therefore, now we have that the vaccine combined with the number of people who had the disease have created a threshold of, pe- of a number of people who will not spread it to start reducing the disease burden. Um, and since we mentioned vaccine, most of us know it's going to be at least two doses to, um, to get an appropriate vaccine. Secondarily, almost guaranteed it's going to have to be readministered every year. This is not going to be a one and done. Mm. Vaccine is not a panacea for this. This is with us for a period of time. Mm. Doctor, if you, okay, if you, what would you do right now if you were governor for, I don't know, a day, a week? What would be the first messages and the first mandates that you think would be most effective to stop this thing? Okay. Um, The answer is all of the above. If this was a multiple choice, and it is go back to where we were. There's only one answer. And, you know, when I was on CNN, I was, uh, I, they asked me the same question a couple of weeks ago. And the question was in these states that are raging. I said, use the example Hawaii used. We did it. We were successful. Shut it down. Close the bars and restaurants. Work at home. That's the only answer right now uh, that I believe we need to pull the Band-Aid off quickly. We need to go to one month of a shutdown. I would encourage the governor to just say, take the bold leadership step because he did it before and he was successful. Do it again. Because, look, all the mayors, what they're saying, I agree with inter-island quarantine. Sure. If I was on Kauai and, and you were having the outbreak on Maui, I want you coming to for over. I want to regulate who comes to Kauai so we don't get someone transmitting it. So, yes, masks mandate. Yes. Gatherings of two people, you know, in public settings, bars and restaurants, work at home. Um, reduce the public transit, Uh, you know, yes, yes, and yes. But in the meantime, don't sit idle. Now plan for life after. Plan for, okay, if we shut it down for a month, I would be happy to say two weeks after that, uh, public schools open back up. I don't have any problems with that if we do it, because I'm that confident that it will take our numbers down. Can we start planning then two weeks after that to open up to to transportation and mm-hmm. and tourism from the U.S. and mainland uh, international? Yes, but let's do it with really good testing based on some of the countries who are maintaining it. And that's what I would do right now is let's do it, but let's plan to then give the people uh, uh, the sunshine at the top of the hill to realize that pain is going to lead to um, uh, a positive outcome for the things we need, which is opening our economy and getting some uh, return to normal without another peak going back up. Mm. Mm. Swallowing the big pill now is what you're saying, even if it's more painful so that we can get to a better place faster. 
Exactly. Got it. And, and the better place is I know kids at school and, and, and opening the economy um, and, uh, and that, 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 you know, with the economy being high, because all of us have friends and family and, and business associates that have just their lives are ruined. And so yeah. it's, it's devastating and, and you feel for them. But I'm telling you, the path we're on right now, we're just starting to see the losses of business. We're already if we just keep on this path see you next year and we're still fighting this it's not going to be just just saying hey we'll, we'll put a mask on and, and two months from now everybody's back to opening up the economy no we we need to do something drastic dr scott miskovich talking with us about COVID 19 and you know we were talking earlier about schools um ruth foster asked us on facebook uh do the epidemiologists and experts agree on uh, whether children are vectors for spreading the virus like what have they found so far Oh, oh, that's that's that 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 myth was um, was uh, debunked a long time ago. Yeah. So the children will spread it. Um, the children, a lot of times I mentioned it early in our segment, um, we're finding even some of the asymptomatic children are actually even shedding a little bit more aggressively and earlier than even people with symptoms. So, no, children can shed it, spread it. Uh, you know, at least 75% are just as highly contagious as anyone. And the data is, uh, is really, um, is really uh, black and white. There's no more question over that right now. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Okay. So we were watching um, that supposed press conference with the supposed doctors in Washington. And uh, some of it was, you know, they were talking about, oh, we don't need any masks anymore. Don't be afraid of the virus. Go out there. You're okay. Does that make you cringe? <laughs> How do you feel about well, that? I thought that? Is that the video that was taken down because those people were they, impersonating and it, doctors? And it keeps well, coming up. No, the, technically, the woman, uh, Dr. I'm going to do air quotes. Dr. Yeah. Emmanuel uh, mm -hmm. received her doctorate in like Nigeria or something. And she runs a, a clinic in the, the D.C. area along with a church. Yeah. And then yeah. a whole bunch of um, people standing around her. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say um, uh, we should we should try to get her license away from her for impersonating <laughs> someone who's putting people's lives at risk. That's how serious mm. that is. That is just unbelievable mm. i mean there is there the, the data that we have about masks and how important masks are it's uh you know there's so many comparative data for masks and mask groups again it's a it's a black and white there is zero and i when i say zero i'm not one of those people that's that throws that out just you know as a term there is zero question that masks are very effective so anybody who says that is just um leading people to death and so no question Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, got it. Okay. Mm. Uh, Dr. Scott Miskovich with us here on Kumukukua. Doctor, uh, I know that you are limited in time, and so we just wanted to ask you, were there any other messages that you wanted to give to our listeners? Anything else that you think they need to understand? Um, yeah. I mean, I want to go back to always end with a, uh, a hint of optimism, which is... <laughs> Thank you. Um, we... I, I, I know. I told you guys that both times that I was on CNN, you know, they were calling me grim. And I'm an optimist. You know, I, I like to find the light. And, you know, I think the most important thing is, number one, to the people of Hawaii, you, you know, that we can't rely on the government to do all of this because all the Department of Health across the world and county and U.S. and states, they're learning on the fly. No one's ever prepared for a pandemic of, of, of just this magnitude. Mm -hmm. And so secondarily, 
you, the listeners, you have to be the leader. You have to be the leader in your family. You have to be the leader in your household, in your car, in your workplace. You know, you're going to be the one that is going to lead by example and show the mask and show the social distance and say, you know, it's not smart to go out to a club or bar. And you guys, if you're going to come over to the house, go outside outside and, mm. and think of think of tutu. you know we kind of watch our elderly and be careful and, and go to that so you know i just think when we were so successful with this at the beginning and i was in the front and i was watching people come through and we we flattened that curve in a heartbeat you know why it was all because of the people they listened they treated this like that there was a hurricane coming and we bought all the toilet paper in the world and and we got <laughs> serious about it and we buttoned down Mm-hmm. And we just were like saying, uh-oh, it's coming. We better listen. Get back to that attitude. Get mm-hmm. back to the attitude that this is serious. You batten down, you listen, and it will pass. Just like just like uh, that, l- that little puff that, that went north of us uh, this past weekend. So, yeah, I think we can do it. Just I have optimism. We will return. I think we can be the safest place on the planet. That's what I keep returning to say is Hawaii can be the safest place on the planet because we are an island. We got the the spirit of aloha. We got the best people on the planet. And if we do our job, you know, by beginning of next year, we are in in clear sailing because then we're going to have vaccines coming out, more testing. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. I hope so. Keeping my fingers (laughs) crossed. Doc, just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, I like uh, that message, and uh, hopefully people will take that to heart. So, yeah. And hopefully you'll be able yeah. to come back and talk story with us some more. Dr. Miskovich, we, we appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys, anytime. I uh, love talking to you, and I, I, I just like talking to the people and trying to be, you know, trying to be open, trying to be just straight up, so mm-hmm. clear up mm-hmm. any misinformation. So. We appreciate that about you uh, very, very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott Miskovich, right. uh, Premier Medical Group.